OC got the better of me last night. Uh, Orange County. How was it, man? Did you party? It's awesome. Partied hard. But that's not the OC I'm talking about. Oh. Obsessive compulsion? Yes. That's your life in general, though. You're drawn to that yeah. spectrum. All right, but sometimes it grabs me so hard that I can't do anything until I get whatever I'm obsessing on out of it, okay. out, out of me. And this was the case last night because of our talk of the uh, Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Oh, no. Yesterday. You went dark. So sad. Why are you torturing yourself with that? Well, I wanted to find out more about the last time something like that happened on these shores in some kind of professional sport. Now, I recognize that there have been a couple of air mishaps involving soccer teams in the Andes and such mm-hmm. over the years. And the, uh, the, the one that just happened within the last five years, the big uh, plane crash Coa Chapacana, what was it called, Ty? Coa Chapaquitic. No. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name. Yeah. Well, the last time something like that happened on these shores in one of the major sports, as I mentioned yesterday, was when the Angels were involved in one of these episodes. Chapacoanese. So I went back and started looking for stuff on this. And I thought that this had happened at the time of the ticket. And come to find out, it did not. It happened in 1992. The Angels had just played a game against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Their next game was in Baltimore against the Orioles. Now, I also found out that these days, even on a hitch like that, teams will fly. They've pretty much abandoned the long-term or longer bus ride. But they decided, the Angels did, that their traveling party was about 40 and it would be easier just to bus instead of getting 40 people through security in one place and out of another airport and into a hotel. So they decided that they would bus. So they round up two buses and at 1.47, or a little bit after midnight, the game ended, and they got underway on the New Jersey Turnpike, headed for Baltimore. And on one bus, there were a few players, support staff, coaches, and the manager. Most of the players were on the second bus. And about 1.47, in a southbound lane on the Turnpike, near Deptford Township. Um, The first bus got into an accident. And injured in this accident were Rod Carew, who was the team's hitting instructor, one of the players, Alvin Davis, the traveling secretary, trainer, and all except Carew spent the night in the hospital. But the guy who got it most was the manager, Buck Rogers who was sitting in the front right seat. And he got beat up pretty bad. He was pinned in. And after the second bus came up on what had happened, they all got off the bus and everything. And they were looking around. They they were just stunned, as you might imagine. And nobody knew what to do. And they were, you know, trying to help those who were 
who who were already off of it out, but then somebody realized that Buck was not around. Nobody found him, and somebody said, hey, where's Buck? And then they realized he's probably trapped inside. Oh, dear. And he was. He was wedged in between seat and barrier pretty good, but the trainers were able to pull him out. But he suffered a manager uh, a number of energy or injuries and missed 90 games that season. Now, I was under the impression that he didn't come back, but he did. He came back to finish off the rest of that season, then managed the next season, 93. Started 94, but the Angels were lousy then, and they fired him early into the 94 season. But people say that he was never the same after that. He broke one of his ribs on his right side, injured his left knee, and broke his right elbow in six places. And he had to have elbow surgery right away to get that squared away. Man, I mean, he's lucky he didn't die, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really pretty amazing that, number one, as we mentioned yesterday, this doesn't happen more often, especially for teams like the Humboldt Broncos who travel by bus more than they do any other way. But every team out there spends a good number of time on buses one way or the other every year. I mean, there are buses that take them from hotel to the ballpark. Yeah. Buses that take them from ballpark to the airport. Buses that pick them up, take them back to the hotel. I mean, riding on a bus is just something you do. Where do the teams stay, the away teams stay when they come to Arlington? Are they staying in Arlington now, like that hotel right there by the ballpark? Are they That's going... what they used to. I, I would assume they still stay there, right? That one just on the... That used to be like right behind Arlington Stadium yeah. when it was there. You think they stay there? Yeah, I would assume they do, sense, but right? I could be wrong. Or did they go a little bigger? I don't know. Baseball, since I bet they do stay closer. I was thinking about like other teams. I don't know. We will have that question answered in a matter of moments. The driver of the bus was Carl Vanettes, a 38-year-old. And at first... Vanette stated that he did not remember what happened. Um, the cops said, one of the cops said that Vanette's told him that he had hit something in the road and lost control of the bus. But then, a few minutes after that, Vanette's came up with another version of the accident in which he said he lost control of the vehicle by while trying to avoid a tire that had fallen off a truck in front of him. And the cops said that he went out there and took a look around, and there were no skid marks anywhere that indicated that he would be trying to stop to avoid something. So he came to the conclusion that the bus had drifted about 350 feet before the accident occurred. And to him, what that meant was that the guy fell asleep. Yeah. Vanette told state police that he'd been driving a bus for eight years. Um... They said no blood alcohol test was administered because it was not deemed necessary. And the bus landed on its side. And if you see pictures of this, it looks really, really bad. And you wonder just how some guys got out of this alive. The ticket. It's the... Monster! That's what he likes about I gotta tell you, Bob Sturm, that's what I like about Texas... I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks. I know. Because you got raked over the coals. And I still yeah. 
don't really understand how it all started. But go on. Okay. Well, let me tell you a story. Now, we needed Danny back here for this because we felt like uh, he's important to the part. He would uh, really help us talk this out. So a couple weeks ago, you may remember that Abilene Christian uh, beat the Texas Longhorns. Do I have laptop here? Yeah. Um, the ACU coach in question, do you remember? Do you remember his name? Uh, Fred Gutenberg. Joe Golding, hmm. I believe. Right? Close. Why is it with Fred Gutenberg? Well, anyway, Joe Golding was uh, was uh, he had flop brow, he had you know sweaty forehead. It was it was very 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 tiring to uh, beat Texas in the uh, sure in the tournament, and so he got up there in the press conference and had a lot of nice things to say. And I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, man, what a great moment for him. This is great. Then he said this. We just beat the University of Texas, you know, little old Abilene Christian out in West Texas. So let me one more time. Let me play that for you. We just beat the University of Texas, you know, little old Abilene Christian out in West Texas. So I had just returned uh, from uh, the whole C-Below, Marfa, Big Bend spring break. Mm Mm-hmm. And Abilene calling themselves West Texas struck me as odd. In fact, I remember uh, tweeting that night, Abilene, West Texas, really? And yes, that was met with a lot of dissent from the native Texans who who very quickly want to tell anybody who's uh, not from here who has a controversial opinion on uh, especially Texas geography that you are not welcome to even express an opinion, let alone ask a relatively innocent question like, is Abilene really West Texas? So the conversation got... It's the way you said it. How did I say it? It's the way it was interpreted. There you go. I think that's probably true, and I've probably earned my uh, cynical interpretation from uh, from the good people. But I, I, I would like to uh, talk this out a little bit about Abilene being West Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, I start not to throw anybody out of the uh, under the bus, not anybody whose first name is Cowboy and whose second name rhymes with Thumb, but uh, there mm-hmm. is, there is a dispute inside Texas on where we draw the line for West Texas. In fact, I believe I'm going to reference my friends at Texas Monthly again. They did an entire episode on where does West Texas begin. But I don't mean to even complicate it that much. What were they what were people crawling up your ass about that like bah! What do you mean? It's not West Texas. Well, yeah, it's West I, Texas. Honestly, it, it it feels, and I don't mean to reduce everyone by their tweet, but it feels like everyone's interpretation of where West Texas begins seems to start and stop with Fort Worth calling itself the gateway to the West. And because a city that is within just a couple hours of the Arkansas border decided to have a slogan that was great for marketing so that you know it goes pairs well with the stockyards and and come on down here and uh, you know put put a hat on and sit on a steer and uh, you know just all this stuff and you know I think that's on the Chamber of Commerce poster 
come on down here and sit on a steer. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No. Okay, Fort Worth definitely loves being the gateway to the West. And Where I, the West begins. And I think they were probably referring or inferring that they are the gateway to the greater West. Yes. Like being in the the, the middle of the United States in the South, yeah. that it, that's the gateway to the West. It has nothing to do with state geography. Correct. It is the west that's what i figured yeah very similar i think st louis has a very similar thing going don't they isn't isn't that uh what the st louis yeah. arch is all about mm-hmm. yeah and that's basically based on the mississippi Man- river manifest destiny it's based on just yes we started on the east coast and we slowly migrated west and st louis they just took out like oh oh okay. lewis and clark started right here okay so here's a hundred percent of my questioning abilene being west texas 100 percent of it is based on the following in mid-march for the second or third time i went very very far west and i do what everyone does the first few times they do that once you go a couple hours past midland odessa you say to yourself this state is massive i can't believe how that we're still in texas it's still four more hours to el paso you know the old deal that is this true? It's it's uh, El Paso is like closer to same, LA same to LA as it is to Texarkana Dallas. or something yeah, like that correct. or Dallas, yeah. whatever. I mean, that's insane if you really think about that. So West Texas goes on forever, but here's the thing that is maybe not reported in the Metroplex: the people in West Texas don't like giving West Texas to pretty much anybody like from white settlement on. Like the second you get past uh, eight twenty. You are now in West Texas. They think, come on, that's... Uh, like roof snow is the line of demarcation. <laughs> they, they, they think that's insane. But I believe uh, to the people in the big city who, spoiler alert, the people out in in the frontier mm-hmm. don't think the people in the big city you know, are, are like them. And I don't know if you've looked at like voting and uh, things. Sure. It, it's, it's quite possible that in the city... You think of yourself as we're all Texans. I'm telling you, the guys on the ranch don't think uh, the city is Texas proper. All right. So, so armed with that information, let's go to a man. Well, can I just say one last thing? One last thing real fast. Uh, I, I think this is key to the point. When you leave Big Bend and you drive for hours and hours and hours and hours to come back to Dallas, when you get to Abilene, you're pretty much home. You feel like you have gone across the state, and you feel like it's like six hours. We're we're, we're yes, we're, we've gone six of our eight hours. Mm-hmm. We're gonna you know hit the fast food and, and uh, everyone go to the bathroom because we're almost home. We're in Abilene, and so so the prospect of calling that the same West Texas that I was in did not seem geog- geographically uh, proper. So so with that in mind, that's why. I, I guess I was looking at a compass, and I figured right in the middle of the state, we'll call that Central Texas, and no, over here no, is no, East, no, no. and over here is West, no, and no. and that was my definition. Austin is Central. Okay, and and I look, I I, I have a right to be wrong, but I want to hear Danny's thoughts on this. When people would ask me where I'm from, and I would tell them Knox City, they would say well, they don't know where that is, and I would be careful not to stick hard with west texas i would say well it's kind of what kind of west texas and they would say oh like midland amarillo el paso i said no no no, not that far west i would i would call the area that i grew up in west central texas 
the Rolling Plains. That's what it's called. I think West Texas should be, and in a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, beliefs, it is considered to be where you draw an imaginary line from Wichita Falls to Abilene. And then if you want to go further south, maybe all the way to Del Rio and anything west of that, I think that's including about right, by the way. Abilene, should be considered West Texas. Now, it's not hardcore West Texas, like El Paso, like where you were for yeah. your spring break vacation. It's kind of on the border of what should be considered hardcore West Texas, but I have no problem with people from Abilene and those surrounding areas saying this is West Texas. Did you hear that a re- lot? It really is. Did you hear that a ton growing up, though, in Knox City that you referred to that area as West Texas? Absolutely, yes. It was called West Texas, but now I will go back and say, look, if you live in um, Weatherford, I'm sorry. It's not West Texas. It's not West Texas. Graham, Mineral Possum Wells, Kingdom. You're not West Texas. No. I've heard from people in both Lubbock and Midland who look at Abilene and they don't consider them the same as what they're in it's the border and this is what i don't understand I, I i would say i would agree with them they're not however there it does seem to be definition and the definition is twofold and they're related of course average rainfall and trees and if you look at a what do you call it an, ar- map? an arbalist oh. version of the map I'm looking at a map <laughs> that that basically shades for for trees yeah there's a pretty distinct line Right down the middle of the state, and in fairness, Abilene is right on that border right. where the trees switch from those that require rain to mesquite to to mesquite that that don't. And that was kind of the conversation I think the guys at Texas Monthly had, and that seems to more so uh, regionalize West Texas as a climate, not necessarily something on the map that you can say east, west, north, th- south. It's just flat out where the trees stop here's what makes the me insane. 90 i believe they call it the 98th or the 100th meridian uh where uh what's the band from canada tragically hip they actually mm-hmm. did a song about this where the planes begin uh, okay. the 100th meridian i think well here's what makes me crazy Thanks about labeling anything in the state is that it's not a box you know it's, it's a state that like you look at new mexico and you look at how that's shaped and it's very easy just because of the way it's shaped to identify each region this stupid state the fact that this is North Texas, to me, is wrong. We are, from the northern tip of the state, we're five hours. You're it's saying the like way Panhandle North? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the northern right. part of the state. But right. that is the Panhandle. I know, I know. There's West Texas, but there's North Texas, there's Central Texas, there's the Hill Country. We should be East Texas. We are East Right, th- we're an hour and a half from. I think geographically, I would agree that we are north. more. We are more east than yes. I, I think that's right, but of course, the Red River is is probably the geographical I know, boundary. I know, and, and and I never understood that as a kid why this was considered North Texas because if you look at any state and you say Northern California, okay, it's not. I don't Northern think Calif- of us. I don't think of us as East Texas. I don't either. I don't. I don't. But if either, you but get an be. hour outside of, if you get an hour outside of six thirty-five going east, that's East Texas. Yeah, Lake Tawakini, that's East Texas. Right. We're close. We're but, super but close. The thing is, is that North should always be referred to as the top of something. That's the top. That was my thought with but West Texas. Court. I know when it it's that be. far left. The way this state is oddly shaped. I, I know, but it's still to. For, if you're in North Texas, that would imply that. 
okay, you're if at you're the not bo- from you're here, right that's at, what you would think. Yeah, you're at, you're at the very top of this state. No, 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 no. We're like six hours away from the top of the state, right? Because you got to go around it now. And I, look, it's all based on the ridiculous shape of this state. Yeah, but it also it feels to me intuitively that the west part of anything should be on the west side of it, like a compass says. Exactly. This is a climate thing. The title West Texas is 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 climate. And by the way, by that definition, if the trees stopped, you know, in Tyler or or at the east side of Texas, I guess we would call the entire state West Texas. It wouldn't make any sense, but that's what you would do. And think about that being the huge swath that would be considered West Texas if you started it in, even if it's Abilene or in Fort Worth, what West Texas, it would take up half the, or three quarters of the state. It's huge. Right. So I, I guess, I, I guess my general feeling is, is it people being overprotective that are from Fort Worth? Well, uh, bro, that's, we're the West. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that don't want to be associated with the city folk, for one thing. They have california up your Texas. And I, I also think that uh, the people in actual West Texas uh, with, with, the, uh, with the smell of oil and the tumbleweeds and, and the dust storms uh, look at Abilene and say, that doesn't look like what we deal with over here. It's just, you know, it's it's people have to have things to argue about. Probably. But there's very little difference when you go north of Abilene to where I grew up and you look at the topography, there's very little difference. Now, there is a difference than what you see there as opposed to what you see in Midland, Odessa. It's definitely more desert. It's more sandy. It's less foliage. But, man, there is massive evidence of that region up in that area. It, and like you said, Bob, it's where the greenery ends and the brown starts. Yeah. The dusty, I think it's like, is it tan less? part of the map starts, and it's right all in there. There might even be a defined amount of rainfall, and I think it's like maybe less than 20 inches a year is West Texas and more than 20. I mean, I, I guess it's just basically get, how uh, species of trees grow. Did you guys get much rain? No. Not a lot. And those dust storms that you were speaking to when you were driving back, you saw those frequently out there. Yeah. You could see them rolling in. Like I said, like a like you're watching a tsunami. You could see them in the on the horizon, and you knew they were going to hit. The other thing, if you care about this, is the 98th Meridian is pretty much exactly the footprint of uh, I-35 all the way up. It's that night. really, yeah. It's uh, and I maybe they meant to do that. Yeah, I'm just a dumb man in 2021. But the the road from here to Minneapolis, basically, I think, is the 98th meridian. And some will say historically that the Brazos River is yes. the line of demarcation from east to west Texas, and and the Pecos City right on it. Mm. Yeah, the Pecos. Pecos. Well, mm-hmm. That's See, what, I call it Picos. I'm obviously not from here. Yeah, you need to go back. Don't you go back to well, Cheese I'm not World, going, yeah. dude. I'm, well, I'm not China. going back. Yeah, man. And you can't make me. All right, there you go. That's what I like about Texas. The ticket. The ticket. Um, okay, so this is a segment that I am going to... You guys can join in whenever you want with uh, pieces of audio or items that make you insane. I but think this you is, got it. This go is ahead. Well, I don't mean right now. Oh. I mean in the future. If we're, we're projecting out to the future. But these are things... That make me crazy and have made me crazy in the world of uh, of the arts. All right, okay. TV, film, music—just little snippets that have made me insane. And the reason that we're doing this is because we all saw Kong versus Godzilla. Well, most of us did, or Godzilla versus Kong. I think Godzilla got top billing. 
He always does. Yeah. It's not right. And there are so many things that made me insane about that movie. The number one thing that made me the most insane was the fact that as King Kong is chained to a Navy battleship with a storm approaching and Godzilla approaching, Mm -hmm. a five-year-old girl (laughs) walks out and starts doing sign language with him. And communicating with him. All the while, scientists, doctors, military experts, they're all looking through the glass going, oh my gosh, what? how did we not know this? What's going on? A five-year-old is talking to a 900-foot ape. All right? Yes, sir. And this is how, after it happened... You find this unlikely? uh, I find the reaction unlikely. Because that is the, that's like splitting the atom, right? It's the biggest thing ever. And here is the reaction right after as uh, Alexander Skarsgård, he from Big Little Lies and True Blood, and he got a huge paycheck for this movie. And uh, his co-star, who is the girl's mother, de facto mother, this is them discussing uh, what they just saw. Okay, right after they just see a monkey talking to a five-year-old, a, a giant monkey. How is she? Calm, so calm, it's scary. <laughs> that was extraordinary. I- that was extraordinary. Do you think? I think his character kind of downplays things. <laughs> do you really think? And do you think that you wouldn't be jumping up and down, freaking out? No, that was... a. Uh, Extraordinary. How is she? Calm. So calm. It's scary. (laughs) That was extraordinary. I have been signing the alphabet, basic commands. I thought that he showed recognition, but he never... Do you have any idea how long they've been communicating? No. I knew that they had a bond. He trusts her. Okay. (laughs) He trusts her. Problem number one of a million with that film. So they appear to have a bond. Do you have any idea how long this has been going on? How long the kindergartner? It's like he's reading a menu from a Chinese restaurant while he's having a conversation with her. How long the kindergartner has been talking actively to a nine hundred foot gorilla? Yeah, how long has this been? Hang on. Yeah, I'll have the uh, the uh, vegetarian egg rolls. Do the, the gorilla? How, how long is that? Is that like kind how, of a thing? how do you not know this has been going on if you're the mother? Like, how often do you leave them together? Are, Let's start there. Right. Are you like, oh, God, I want to go get margaritas with you, but uh, my daughter is with the giant monkey. I'll leave him there. They have a bond, Corby. I'll just leave her there. Let's just get some Ritas on the on the patio. Come on, Stacy. You got time. Let the gorilla babysit while okay. she teaches you. All right. So I had no idea how long this has been going on. Who knew? Who knew that when I was leaving my kindergartner with a giant monkey right. that they were talking. And again, how underwhelmed they were when they found out. Again, one of a million things that was wrong with that movie. Okay, so that is the type of stuff that drives me crazy. Let's segue back and forth from film to music. One of my favorite artists, Neil Young. Music. Neil Young is a god to me. Yep, he wrote the hit song Diarrhea. I am so glad that you brought this up. Oh. Because Neil Young Neil Young made an album back when the uh 
when we invaded Iraq, what was that war called? The Iraq the War? Desert Storm. Desert yeah. Storm. Vietnam. Vietnam. <laughs> the Gulf Conflict. <laughs> Vietnam. So he wrote, he made oh, an album my, called, oh, you're the best. he made an album called Living With War. And every song had to do with war and uh, leadership and slamming on President Bush and, and uh, you know, just a typical, mu- I, a musician was mad at war. Who knew? Right? Yeah, exactly. That's never happened. Who knew? So he wrote a song about what these soldiers were going through. And what I've never been able to understand, and I still listen to this album because I really like the record itself. Mm-hmm. I will still listen to it. What I can't figure out in this song is why he said this word and why he said it so differently from every other word. Why did he say it like that? Every other because word. Because that word's n- never been in a song before and he didn't know how to handle it? Every other word He's leading up this- to that is, is just kind of him talk speaking in the same tone. And then he screams, diarrhea. I mean, he's listing side effects from a pharmaceutical. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, listen to how he says these words but until he gets to diarrhea. diarrhea it's like oh my god i I, am just now discovering (laughs) diarrhea in a real song it's never been in a song before ever i I bet it has there's no way yeah there was a band that i listened to back in the day and they had a song called diarrhea guacamole for real yeah diarrhea guacamole yeah prove it uh okay Give me a minute. <laughs> All right, back to film. Again, this is things that make me insane. Okay. So let's go back to 1991, I believe. Now, at the time, as a young, red-blooded male, there was one particular human being that I thought was pretty kick-ass, and that guy's name is Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. Were you in the camp? I was, absolutely. Well, okay, were our parents laughing at us for think, how ridiculous th- this guy was? I'm pretty sure my parents had no idea he existed. Or maybe were people that were like 35 looking at us, like we look at Jake, you know, and him being into Armageddon and things like that. Were they looking at us going, this guy is a lunatic? You just can't explain the spell martial arts had on all of us back then. <sighs> I know. Like this generation can't fathom what we dealt with. <laughs> From Bruce Lee, from Bruce Lee to Jean Claude Van Damme, to Chuck Norris, to Chuck Norris, to you know, to a lesser extent, I guess Bronson would sort of maybe, uh, you know, be a subset of this, but we 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 could not stay away. If you knew moth to life, if you knew karate, Mm -hmm. you had us. Bronson wasn't a big karate guy, though. He was just a tough guy. Yeah, he was more kind of like the Dirty Harry starter kid. But, dude, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, Van Damme, uh, Seagal, they all, we were like, oh, my God, you're so good. You can beat that. Did you see him break that guy's neck? Right. Didn't really need firearms. No, you never did. Maybe uh, maybe some nunchucks. Mm -hmm. So there was a fighting stick of some sort. There was a movie called Hard to Kill. 
This is the one with Kelly LeBrock. This oh, was his big one. baby. Yeah. Seen it. Yeah. We've all seen it. Yep. And even at the time, I'm so excited as little Corby waltzes into the studio or waltzes into the movie theater. I'm like, yes, let's go. What was it about putting karate in a movie that just made us all go insane? I don't know. I, I, we were just talking karate. about that. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I know you were talking about it. I'm just kind of emphasizing. Yeah. So this guy at the beginning of the movie, I guess he was like, uh, from what I remember, at least he had a bad accident or maybe he was shot by the bad guys. And he's like, of course, special ops, police officer, the best. Right. He's the best. And he's trying to figure out who shot him and who the and this is, again, in the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's coming to and he's remembering his character's name was Mason Storm. Yeah, of course it was. Darn right. And so. In this, I think I've seen her in other films. He's he's imagining, <laughs> he's imagining, trying to figure out who this guy was and where he heard this voice. So this is like a dream sequence, all right. And this line at the end, I remember turning to my friends, my teed up twenty year old friends, and going, "Are you effing kidding me?" I must have played that tape over a thousand times, you know, looking for little quirks in the voices. Phrases that repeat. Phrases that repeat. There are two other guys there. I couldn't make them out, but I think they'll come up on the phone. You can take that to the bank. I know that voice. Your charts go back for seven years. Do you have any recollections? Those two guys on first look Phrases. I still have them on the same film in the same camera, right where I left it. The People's Candidate sent an averted friend. Promises no new taxes. And you can take that to the bank. So he's remembering now, like the guy on TV who's like a politician, his catchphrase is, you can take that to the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he remembers like a drug deal that he was at where this guy said, you can take that to the bank. Money now and a lot more when I get in that office. You can take that to the bank. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. Yeah! I wish that he had just left it as, I'm going to take you to the bank. And then, boom, boom. Yeah. I mean. awkward comeback. This is a grown man who a professional Hollywood writer gave him this line. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. (laughs) And I remember like, (laughs) dude. The proximity to Arnold. Oh God! The the punny I, the punny line by your lead action hero. I expected that out of him, out of out of like all the Arnie movies. Yeah, but I was like, not you, Steven Seagal. You were better than <laughs> you're so good. You were so good. You know martial arts. Uh, the last thing and that what I, made you think of that, dude? It stuck with me forever, like diplomatic immunity, mm-hmm. all the, of it. The blood bank. And the last one here is a song from Denise Williams in 1985. Let's do. Let's hear it for the boys. There is a portion of this song. <laughs> okay, where are we going here? There is a portion of this song that has haunted me forever, and it's a noise she made that you cannot recreate, no matter how high your voice is. Possible, but not that. Let's my 
<laughs> As a 15-year-old boy, I'm like, wait a minute, no. Try that right now, Danny. I can't. I don't have a falsetto. Bob, try that. You know I don't. Just try you it. You try it. Close. I can't. I can't do it, dude. She's got sick range, bro. And I would, it would like, as a 15-year-old like, boy, I'm like, what? what? No, no, no. How do you do that? Like, how does that look on the sheet music, do you think? I don't it's know. It's way off the staff. God. It's pretty impressive, man. That anyway, kind of control? That was her tune? Some things. Some things. Man. That drive me crazy. I need to put together a list. Yeah. Because people love lists. Put your list together at a blood bank or something. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a death list. Yeah, a list of blood.